Good morning, Joy Church. How are you doing today? <clears throat> Hello. Uh, first, uh, my name is Jacob Schmelzer. I'm just so happy to be with you this morning. I know what you're thinking, Jake. I know you're on a weight loss journey, but you've gone way too far now. Somebody get that guy a hamburger. You know, the great, <clears throat> great benefit of being incredibly skinny is that people give you food. And I just got to say, that's the best thing ever. My roommate cooks some delicious food. <clears throat> I have to apologize for the quality of my voice. It's not that I'm extremely nervous. It is that I'm a little hoarse this morning. You know, I'm a small pony. I'm a minuscule um, steed, you know, a tiny unicorn, if you will. <clears throat> the uh, spring allergies, you know, along with the, maybe the, the duck spring game kicked in this week. And um, so that's fun for everybody. You know, the sun comes out and now I sound like I've been smoking for 20 years. <clears throat> so I apologize about that. Let me get some water here. Woo! <clears throat> My name is Judah Banky this morning, and it's always been Judah Banky, actually. But um, our beloved pastors, Jake and Bethany Schmelzer, are on vacation celebrating their 10-year anniversary. How's that? It's pretty awesome. It's good to have you this morning. We're just so grateful that you would, uh, if this is your first time, that you would take the, you have the courage to take a step and um, maybe enter into a place that's unfamiliar for you. I know this is a little different than what a lot of churches look like, but we love it here. The seats are amazing. <clears throat> the popcorn's good, you know, get some popcorn if you, if, you, uh, if you want. It's allowed. It's allowed in church. Popcorn's allowed in church. Sleeping is a little easier to do, though. We encourage you not to do that. And um, <clears throat> that's good, huh? In the juggling act of life, as we have all our responsibilities going on, have you ever had all your worries come down on you all at once? I think you have. I have. Uh, there was a particular season in my life where I worked at this incredibly authentic Italian restaurant called it the Olive Garden. <clears throat> you know, the land flowing with uh, breadsticks and more breadsticks <clears throat> and Alfredo. And, um, and uh, I was a server at Olive Garden for a little bit, and uh, part of my Olive Garden time was spent in college, right? So if you know, college is a very big, busy time as it is, and then uh, balancing, you know, the work and, and school and church life is a bit chaotic, so the, um, the no good, very bad days for me would look like I'd wake up and have to skip my first class, because heaven, no, I'm not skipping breakfast, you know, I'm going to get breakfast, skip my first class, which is bad, because then I get penalized, and then I, uh, and then, you know, I'd have classes, and they'd just be, like, really boring, and I, after, you know, the ca- it's a kind of day, have you had this kind of day if you've ever had a cafeteria lunch where it's just not, it's just not make, cutting it? And then in the afternoon, this sort of afternoon, I would, uh, I would have to work on like a big project or something. I'd have to skip my precious, precious college nap time. And, <clears throat> and then I would go to work. And of course, it's, uh, it's the one manager that I don't like happens to be on that day. You know, this is that kind of day where I get the one section because in a restaurant, there's a bunch of different table sections and some are great and some are not good at all. So I'd get the not good at all one and I'd get the one coworker that I really don't like working with. Um, and then, you know, that's not even getting to my actual job, which is serving pasta to people who sometimes maybe think they're kings or queens um, if you worked in, in customer service at all. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, this is the kind of day where I get yelled at for, <clears throat> for uh, being late on, my, on bringing the 17th bowl of Zupa Toscana, you know, to a table. And um, just those sort of days, the no good, very bad days. And, and we've all had these days, right? Maybe 
yours looks a little different than mine. And if we're honest, sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes it's not just days. Sometimes it's, it's a week or it's a month or a season or a year or years, a decade even. And in the midst of it, in the midst of those kind of days, when real life problems start happening, you know, when you receive the phone call from your doctor that you don't want to hear, or there's family trouble, or there's trouble at work, or something that you were really excited about didn't, didn't come through, there's a question that we all want to scream at God, isn't there? It's why, why, why God, why me, why this, why now? And the question has real weight to it, doesn't it? Jesus, even Jesus on the cross, as he was wrongfully murdered, screamed out, why, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why? And then, if you go to church, which if you didn't know where you're at, where you're at church, this is awesome, uh, you might feel like you have to pretend not to be asking this question, right? I feel this sometimes. You come to church, and it's the how are you, and I'm good. My version of that is I'm amazing. So if I say that to you, well, maybe I'm amazing. I'm amazing this morning, I just got to say. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> I'm good, you know, I'm good. And we feel sometimes like we have to put on a face and pretend not to be asking this question. Uh, but it's a question that all of us have at different times in our life, isn't it? And did you know that the Bible answers this question, why? Did you know your greatest ruin can become your greatest victory? There's a God, an amazing, loving God. He's a God who created the world. He's a God who created you and I. And that same God that created you is still fully invested in you, is for you, and loves you. Romans 8.11, this incredible verse, uh, says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. We're in a series this in the last few weeks uh, uh, called The Comeback, The Comeback. And Bethany shared an amazing word last week, didn't she, on coming back from your past. And if you weren't here last Sunday, you can find our messages. I encourage you, go to, uh, during the week, go to joyeugene.com, and you can listen to the, the old messages there. But uh, a series called The Comeback, and uh, I had to look up the definition of this word. I'm a, not a particularly sports-savvy person, so I looked it up. Okay, here it is. An event, a comeback, an event where an athlete or team that is significantly losing a contest closes the gap. <clears throat> an event where an athlete or team that's significantly losing the contest closes the gap. It's been described as the single greatest aspect of competition that most embodies the spirit of what makes sport extraordinary. Extraordinary. Uh, <laughs> last week, I went to my first ever football game. How's that? Like, Judah, what kind of American, first of all, are you? And then what kind of like Oregonian, and then what kind of Eugenian are you? Oh, I haven't been here for too long, so cut me some slack. But I went to my first game. It was the Ducks spring game, a beautiful day outside. And uh, it was kind of a bummer because I was hoping the Ducks would win, but they lost horribly. It was terrible. <laughs> Thank you. Small laughter. <clears throat> it was a scrimmage game, okay, if you weren't, weren't aware of that. I think that's where two, the one team plays against themselves anyway. Um, <clears throat> 
that wasn't that, that wasn't a comeback game. It was, it was a runover game. You know, it was a, a bulldozer type of game. One side did very well the whole time, and the other side didn't. And um, <clears throat> but the comeback is the greatest aspect of competition that most embodies the spirit of what makes sport extraordinary. That was not an extraordinary game. But what this, with what this definition says is saying is that comebacks make great stories. You agree with me? Comebacks make great stories. Has anyone seen this chart before? It's the basic plot diagram right here. You might have seen it in middle school or, or high school. And uh, this is basically a formula for a good story. You got your opening exposition, and then you got what? Conflict. You got conflict. Stories don't go, you know, Bill, uh, let's see. Names, putting names in the story. Bob and Bobette are having a picnic, and uh, it was a good day at the end. Like, that's not an exciting story that we want to read. We want a story where there's conflict, don't we? And so the conflict is introduced, and then basically the rising action is basically just more conflict, which we like to read in a book or in a movie or in a video game. Uh, but we don't like it in our our lives, right? This isn't what we want to see. We want, we want to have a good day, the perfect day all the time, but this isn't our experience, isn't it? It's conflict. And for some of us, you know, the, it, the, there's conflict and, and it keeps building up and we, we wish that we'd, you know, that it would resolve, hit the climax and, uh, you know, go to the falling action. But for some of us, this line just seems to instead just go up infinitely, right? It's like that stress level just... You're like just trying to hold it all inside. <clears throat> but a good story has a great comeback. And that, that point at the top there, the climax, is the comeback moment. It's the turnaround moment. It's where, uh, you know, in a good story, Bob and Bobette are having a picnic and a dragon attacks, right? Oh, no, now there's a real problem. Now this is real exciting. And the comeback moment is when Bob takes the sword, sword out of his back pocket, <laughs> which he had just, you know, it's just something he likes to carry around. And, you know, thrust it through the dragon's heart. Or, you know, those are at least the kind of books I, I like to read. But that moment of turnaround, victory. And comebacks make great stories. And with Jesus, your life can be a great story with a great comeback, amen? <clears throat> and the way you can do that, I'm just going to lay it out here, is to learn how to praise in any circumstance. Judah, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, praise? Praise is the key to comeback victory in your life. Praise is an incredible theme of Scripture. It starts in Genesis all the way through Revelation. In every book of the Bible, you see praise. And the words for praise in the Bible translate to bless. Exalt, extol, glorify, magnify, thank, and confess. To praise God is to call attention to his glory. Praise is not an emotion-based response to your circumstances. It's a faith-based response in any circumstance to the reality of God. I'm just going to read that one more time. Praise is not an emotion-based response to your circumstance. Praise is a faith-based response in any circumstance to the reality of God. And I know on Sunday morning we come here and we, we intentionally enter in a time of worship where we thank God for who he is, for who he says he is, for who we know him to be, for who we read him to be, for who we experience and expect him to be in our lives. And that, I mean, Sunday morning worship is an, is an excellent moment 
to get your praise on, you know what I'm saying? Love the banjo we had today, and uh, definitely worship leader has the beard to merit that banjo, and um, so that's awesome. But but it's it's easy to join in praise in when the circumstances are praiseful, you know, where where we're drawing attention to that. It's hard to praise God. It's hard to call attention to His glory. It's hard to thank God. It's hard to confess that God is good when our circumstances are bad, all right? And I've experienced this, and we've all experienced this time and time again. The first year of Bible college for me was probably one of the worst years of my life. Actually, I, I, uh, I went into college fresh out of high school, excited to live you know, in the dorms, make a bunch of friends. And everyone knows if you go to Bible college, that's where you become a perfect person so that you're able to serve God, right? At least I had this, this sort of broken image in my mind like that. And I got there, and the whole first semester, I didn't make friends. I, my character was not going the direction that I wanted it to, and I became severely depressed, and there are, you know, for a lot of us, there's different issues that and different circumstances come against us. And honestly, I, I haven't faced a lot of financial crisis or family crisis or health crisis. But in my life, there's been an incredible amount of discouragement and depression uh, sent my way. And this was one of those moments of where I was just, I couldn't, like I... I couldn't smile. I didn't have the joy that I know that I should have as, as a follower of Christ. It was a terrible semester. But there was a comeback moment in my story, and that was at the beginning of second semester when one of my friends encouraged me to take some time every morning, go to a place where I could be undistracted, and just begin to thank God for things and begin to proclaim to my circumstances how good my God is. You know, the reason we come to church and sing songs on Sunday morning isn't, isn't just because God needs to hear how good he is. He doesn't need to hear how good he is. We need to hear how good he is. We need to sing it. We need to proclaim it. Our circumstances need to hear how good our God is. And so that semester, I would go every morning. They had these awesome rooms. They're called prayer rooms. It's a closet with nothing in it. It's amazing. There's no televisions. There's no food. You know, all the things that I like to get distracted with when I know I should pray. You know, oh, I'm really hungry. What's in the fridge, you know? But I'd go every morning. I would go there and just begin to thank God. God, I thank you that you are good. God, I thank you that you always come through. God, I thank you that you know my story. God, that you write good stories. I thank you that you're a God who, you're, you're a God who was raised from the dead I thank you that you are a comeback, God, and that the victory is yours. Even though I didn't see it in my life, I began to proclaim it, and it began to be true. And the good God intervened in my life in that semester. And I'm telling you, there was so much joy. There was rich friendships that came out of that semester. And it was a complete turnaround. It was a comeback in my life. I'm excited to turn um, to, to look at the Bible here. Let's go to Acts 16.9. Whenever we open the Bible, I believe that, that, that it's not just words on a page. How many brought their, uh, their analog Bibles today, their hard, hardware, you know? Woo, that's good. I'm rocking the uh, iPad 1. Yeah, pretty, 
you know, these things are awesome. They're bricks. You're not afraid of dropping them. What happened? Where have we gone? Um, but whenever we open the Bible and, and look at the scripture, it's not just words on a page, words on a, on a screen, but it's life to us. And the same Holy Spirit that, that was there that inspired the, the authors to write it is here with us today, allowing us to apply it to our lives. Amen? So Acts 16.9, so Paul and Silas, uh, Paul, had, Paul was a disciple of Jesus. He had an encounter. He had a comeback moment in his life, and he is now on a mission to proclaim the good news of Jesus, kind of like what I'm doing this morning. So he, Acts 69, Paul had a vision of a man saying, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize to them. Have you ever been in a moment where you believe God called you somewhere, but then you wonder why? Because there is so much conflict in that place that you thought that he called you. They were doing, clearly, God made it very clear what they were to do. They went there. And then let's jump ahead a little bit, uh, starting in verse 22. So Paul and Silas had cast out a demon in the city. They went to the place that God told them to go to, and they did the thing that, you know, they were preaching the good news, and they cast out a demon, and the city was an uproar, basically. So Acts 16, 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Oh, dear. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. The moments in our life where we are, feel like we're chained to the ground, feel like we're locked up, we feel like, yes, there is a purpose, there is a purpose for where we're at, but we don't seem to be able to fulfill that purpose because something has got us locked in and bolted to the ground. This is that kind of moment. And this is where it gets real good. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors, all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. This is incredible, incredible. Let's just look at this one more time. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And my first thought there is, why? Not, not why are you praying and singing hymns to God? Why at midnight? Like, what? Aren't you supposed to be asleep? And they're not the only people in that prison. You know, the, the prison is full of, of criminals and thieves. And, and uh, you know, if I were, if I, they probably heard, you know, started singing. And, and yeah, I, can, I imagine just the other prisoners being like, shut up. Stop. Come on. And my first thought in, in reading this is actually just, that's really awkward. Why did you start singing? That's awkward. There's no band with you. What are you doing? You are in prison. You're not supposed to sing. You're not supposed to sing in prison. Um, and the other prisoners were listening. And this is so like counterintuitive, isn't it, to what, what it seems like they should be doing. And, and this is what God wants us to do in our lives when we are in prison and when we feel bolted to the ground and when, when the things, all the things that we're juggling fall down on us at once when the conflict builds upon conflict and there's tension and tension and tension. He wants, God wants us to praise 
him. We, he wants us to have faith in him despite the circumstances, despite what we see and despite what we feel. And that's what they were doing. Verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake. What? And the prison was shaken to its foundation. Do you know that when you begin to praise God in your circumstances, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you feel, regardless of the past, when you choose to praise God, regardless of the circumstances, comeback victory begins to happen. Those moments are turnaround moments, and you may not see it then, and you may not feel it then, but when you come to God in the place and, and choose to say, God, I, I don't see you moving, but I know you're there. God, I know you're good. God, I know your character. You're faithful. You're trustworthy. God, I know you're holding my life. I know that you have a plan. And when we begin to proclaim to our circumstances that our God is bigger, that our God is greater, that our God is mighty, breakthrough begins to happen. It says suddenly there was a massive earthquake. What? There's another part in scripture, there's another scripture in, where someone's in prison and an angel comes and unlocks the door and they walk out. And that's not how this story went. And I believe it's because Paul and Silas weren't just, God, I think that you're good. Please unlock the door for us, you know, or me, I know, I imagine they were, you know, like, there is power in the name of Jesus <laughs> to break every chain. Come on, God, where is it at? No, they were boldly declaring the goodness of their God in their circumstances, and there was a massive earthquake. The prison wasn't, it's not just that they were free, but the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of Paul and Silas fell off. No, it doesn't say that. It says the chains of every prisoner fell off. And did you know that when we began to exalt the Lord and we, we began to proclaim the goodness of our God in our situations, it's not just a turnaround moment for us. It's a turnaround moment for our families. It's a turnaround moment for the people in our workplace. It's a ripple effect. I call it the earthquake effect. When you begin to praise God and there begins to be a mighty uh, shaking of the foundations of the work of the enemy in your life and, and it affects everybody around you. It's incredible. It's incredible. I remember in college, yes, in freshman year, but also all of the years, there were various points in my life where it's just, I'd just be massively discouraged. And I remember distinctly this one time I was calling my mom, and the conversation would look like this. This is a great picture. It's a great picture. That's what I like to see. It's my mom. I go, Mom, my life sucks. <laughs> and that's how I would go, you know, everything's against me. Um, I'm facing massive discouragement. I don't know why, or I'm really tired, or, or maybe it's just like I have more work in, work in school than a human should have. Uh, but I remember distinctly her saying, Judah, when I begin, when I'm in that, those situations, I just start thanking God for things. She said, I just start thanking God for things. And so I encourage you this morning, whatever situation you're in, whatever battle you're facing, whatever prison the enemy would try to put you in, to, I encourage you to just start thanking God for things. It's a turnaround. That's, that's a turnaround moment. I've seen it time and time again in my life where, I'm facing something, and I just choose to say, God, 
I know you're bigger. God, I know you. I know you're good. I know you're great. And I know that you will come through in my life. And when we begin to do that, miracles happen. Situations turn around. There's a comeback. You know, it's a good story. It's a good story. And I just want to end by reading part of Psalm 107 in the message paraphrase. It's just so beautiful. And the words aren't on the screen, so maybe just close your eyes and I'll read this. The songwriter says, Oh, thank God. He is so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression, then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from the seven seas. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live, half starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He poured great drafts of water down parched throats. The starved and the hungry got plenty to eat. Some of you were locked in a dark cell, cruelly confined behind bars, Punished for defying God's word, for turning your back on the high God's counsel, a hard sentence, and your heart so heavy, and not a soul in sight to help. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark, dark cell, broke open the jail, and led you out. So thank God for his marvelous love. For his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison bars like matchsticks. Offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world what he's done. Sing it out. 